It's week 15 of the NFL season. It's almost crimbo. It's almost Christmas. Welcome into Pro Football Ireland. Michael McQuaid, Mark Hogan, Michaela Fagan. Delighted to be joined for another week of the NFL season. Here we go. There's some clangers and matchups this week. We've got a massive NFC West game on Thursday. Games on Saturday, games on Sunday. First off, uh, Mark, week 15 of the season, man. It's... Uh, we're getting to that squeaky bum time, but it's hard to believe we're getting towards the end. Four games, four chances for teams to make the playoffs, mess up their playoffs, win divisions, and honestly, make statements. We've seen the Bengals this time last year start to make statements, seen the Titans do the same. Now this year, the Bengals are trying to do it again. They've won, what, five in a row? There's so many storylines going into this weekend, isn't there? Yeah, I suppose Detroit being one of the top ones, I suppose. And I think we ought to get to Carolina, who could be under the radar. But, you know, I'm kind of glad that we're getting to this part of the season now, Michael, because uh, Troy Aikman on Monday Night Football was talking about the poor football that's been played all year. And there has been that, like, you don't know which games to go for. So I think I'm glad that we're getting down to real serious crunch time and we're only going to get top level matchups like this weekend you have the 49ers playing the Seahawks it might be coming a couple of weeks maybe even four weeks too late because the month a month ago the 49ers and sorry you'd fancy the Seahawks in that game a lot more than you would now um I think there is such a top heaviness in the NFC and AFC that we just need to get to the serious games and forget about watching the the seven seed getting decided so that some second seed will whoop them I can't wait for your I can't, I can't wait for your wild card weekend previews then I'm joking um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's one of those things if you are listening to the podcast folks and it's Friday and the, the Niners uh, Seahawks game has happened that's fine you can still listen on we will talk about that towards the end of this broadcast so just be aware that we're covering the whole weekend and it's too big of a game not for us to glance over it's it's a massive game in that division Michaela uh, a warm welcome to you you're you're sporting Josh Allen this week uh, I, I I can't wait to see this collection in person so I can take a photo of every jersey you have and be like this is incredible but no here um, it's it's another it's been, it's been a crazy week we, 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 we were talking on Sunday and it's hard to believe another week is ahead of us now. Yeah, there's some good matchups coming up this week. I think obviously the most notable is the Dolphins and the Bills because if the Dolphins don't win that game, they're kind of, they're going to be falling backwards nearly towards the Jets, and they don't want to be doing that. Uh, and you know, it's I'm looking forward to that game probably out of the most of them, but obviously I'm going to watch probably the Eagles as well. Yeah, so many good games. That Dolphins-Bills game is late on Saturday night in Ireland. So if you are staying up, get the fire on, get the tea in for a late night. That's one where I'm literally staying up. I've tried not to stay up too much this season, but I think it's hard not to stay up for that game. We'll talk about that in a bit. Let's jump on to the first thing we're going to talk about, and that's the NFC South. Mark, you know, looking at the NFC South, the Bucks are in the lead, 6-7. and seven. One six lost seven. Uh, the Panthers are five and eight. The Falcons are five and eight. The Saints are four and nine. Each team has got four games left this season. And look, people can say whatever about the Saints, them being two games out, and then you've obviously got that tiebreaker as well. Uh, this this division is still all to play for in the sense of Brigitte has to play Burrow this weekend. And while the Bucks went to Munich and and got the win and. Almost a lot of people I remember sitting there after the game and people in 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 the press conference were talking about like this being like a reset almost for their season, and they have not found a way to get over the line in certain games and they're now sitting in a situation where they're under five hundred. 
who's going to win the NFC South? Please tell me because I put a question up on Twitter this week and nobody can give me an answer. It seems like the sensible option is to say the Bucks, but in reality, I just don't believe in this Bucks team to carry through for the next few weeks. Am I crazy? Legacy hasn't worked out once this season like we look at the LA Rams you know there's just a presumption as Super Bowl champions that they were going to be good the Green Bay Packers I mean they're coming back into the fold again now because the emergence of Christian Watson but you know our thoughts of oh it's the New England Patriots with Bill Belichick that means they go to the playoffs it's not really playing out like that and I think we're falling for that with the books as well that that division is so weak we're saying okay where where's Tom Brady so at the end of the day the books look that whole division there's two games separates the number one in the division and a chance to go to the playoffs from last place so everyone is still involved which is absolutely crazy um i'm going to talk only briefly about the falcons and the saints at the end but if you look at the two teams the books have the fifth fewest pass or points scored per game in the nfl and that has to come straight off the top because a week ago we talked about maybe that it was, or sorry, even uh, on our, our preview just gone, our review of the week, it was that the defense, part, part of the storyline is that the defense weren't wasn't able to keep San Francisco out of the end zone. The week before that, we talked about, well, it might not be on Tom Brady. He shoulders a lot of the headlines a lot of the time, but it has to fall on Byron Leftwich, the offensive play caller, and whatever is the coaching. But whatever way you want to dice it up, this team has scored the fifth fewest points per game. To put that into perspective, it's the Rams, Texans, Colts, and Broncos have scored fewer than them. And when you, when you look across to what they did last year, they were second in points per game with 30. So that disparity of 13 points a game, is that like it sums up exactly what the difference is, that they cannot put points on the board this year, that they can't just rely on the defense, even when it is top boss. Whether it's Bruce Arians or otherwise, I don't really care at this point because when you're just looking straight in or straight at the NFC South, over the weekend, the first time I saw a team from the NFC South that I thought was scary was the Carolina Panthers. And you wouldn't have said that a few weeks ago because they had Matt Rule. When they fired Matt Rule, I put them straight down to the bottom of the power rankings because I thought, well, that's it. They're dust. They're, you know, they can't compete. But what they did was they have Steve Wilkes, who, whether it was the Cleveland Browns or the Arizona Cardinals, Steve Wilkes always wanted to establish a team, even though he's a defense coordinator. He said that the way to break a team's spirit is the run game. So now that he's back in charge as an interim with the uh, Panthers, he has instilled a run-first approach with that team. Christian McCaffrey, obviously when he was traded, we said, well, that's all their weapons gone. But what it allowed them to do is completely reset what they're doing with the run game. And now you have guys like Devontae Foreman, Chubba Hubbard, and even during the week they had um, Raheem Blackshear come out for four carries that were all extremely productive. And I'll pull back the curtain for a second. I had a bet on this game. Uh, I needed an anytime touchdown score and I had Devontae Foreman. I kind of saw that they were going to lean on the path or on the run game. So I was particularly interested because there was a good bit of money on the line. I only bet a tenner, but it was good odds. And I, I was glued to it. And the way they were able to interchange the running backs was such a flex. Like it was such a, a strong thing to do. It's as soon as Devontae Foreman, who had 21 carries on the day, as soon as he started to look tired, they put in Chubba Hubbard in the red zone or they put in Raheem Blackshear, who both got a touchdown each. So it's like Devontae Foreman was able to do the heavy lifting and then they put in Chubba Hubbard, they put in Blackshear. And we talk around this time of year about how the running game is what you need to lean on and you're able to go off. Like, look, Sam Darnold is playing for his career, it seems. DJ Moore 
is a threat. But I just love that the they have this ability to run the ball like that. And it, it, like I said at the top, it just makes them look so much scarier on offense than anyone has done in that division this year. Michaela, it's, it's a funny one because the the Panthers, have, as as Marcus said, and I'm sorry about your bet, Mark, but the Panthers have found a way to win in situations in which you wouldn't have given them a chance uh, five or six weeks ago. Now, obviously, they had that game against the Bucks after the firing where I think the general scope for me, for, for me, Michaela, is there seems to be just more confidence and more of a buy-in and belief among the players. And you have to look at a guy like Sam Darnold. I, I didn't think he play it down again as a starter in the league. And look what's happened there. And yeah, that, that, that run game is 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 superb. But the defense to hold Seattle as well last week was 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 very impressive. Um, I look at the Bucks. I think it's a serious issue for them down the stretch in the sense of the playoffs, but if they do get there, because as Marcus said again about they being so low in points, I think Brady is... I'd, I, this like this has to be and I, I understand like we have sat watching the World Cup last weekend and we, we've seen Cristiano Ronaldo in his mid to late 30s uh, not be the same player that he is like, Brady's not the same player that he is and that's fine but we've went from a situation Michaela, where the Bucks just haven't performed to you know they have not performed this season but they were performing at a high level last season getting getting the ball down the, down the field but more important scoring points so for you, who wins the NFC South? Because at the minute, yes, the Bucks seems like a smart option because Brady can turn it on the last two or three games. I have Brady losing this weekend to the Bengals, so that would leave him six and eight. It looks like it's starting to sort of cave in the mid, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does. I think if you're looking towards next uh, this week and they're playing Joe Burrow and the Bengals, and you kind of like Bengals, the Bengals are hot at the right time, so. You know, everyone, I think, will probably assume that the Buccaneers won't beat the Bengals. But if you look at the next three games that the Buccaneers have, I find it difficult for them to to lose them. Like, they have the Cardinals. They, they should beat the Cardinals. Like, Kyder Murray's out. The Cardinals are very, very disappointing this season. And then they have the Panthers. Now, I know the Panthers bet them this season, but... Surely they're not going to lose to them again. I see that as a win. And then the Falcons, you see the Falcons are such an up and down team. Like they're so dangerous, especially with Patterson. But I still think the Buccaneers can can win the three games after the Bengals. And then if they win them, they're nine and eight. But I, I don't, I know the Panthers, you know, they bet the Seahawks and stuff like that. But the Seahawks have fallen off completely now since uh, they lost to the Buccaneers in Munich. They've just... They just haven't been the same team to, to when they started. But I think, for me, it's still the Buccaneers and Tom Brady's because no one else in that division is just... like Even when Tom Brady and the Buccaneers are playing at their worst, they're still... They're the only team that can actually flip a switch and actually start playing well, where the other... The Panthers, the Saints, and the Falcons, they don't have the weapons to do that. So, to me, I, I still see the, the Buccaneers... Least winning the division by at least two games. See, I think that they the, the thing with, that I've seen with the Panthers is they have flipped the switch, and it was it happened with Steve Wilkes and all them taking control, and they do focus on the run game now, and I think that that's what's so potent about them. And I guess when you're talking about the Panthers game itself. The Panthers and the Falcons control their own destiny. The Panthers have the tiebreak already over the books. So if they go in, like if we're talking that the teams don't stand a chance at winning a lot of their games, it could come down to who can win one game plus 
the division game, the either the Bucks and the Panthers. If the Panthers win that, I think they take full control of that division. Or failing that, if the if the Bucks come and win that, then they have to beat the Falcons the next week. So because the other teams, and you know, this is how the NFC or NFL sets up its schedule on purpose, that it gives teams the opportunity to be in this kind of area that they have to beat one of their division rivals to get into the playoffs. It is set up so perfectly. If you actually look at who the Panthers are playing. They have the Steelers, Lions, Bucks, and Saints. I do see that they get that one other win and the Bucks game to set them up. Whether maybe they beat the Saints or maybe they beat the Steelers this weekend, and something similar for the Falcons. They play the Saints that they could go out and win that game. They probably lose the Ravens. They also have the Cardinals and they have the Bucks. So just the way that there's common opponents between these teams is exciting if you're an NFC South fan. And I think the other thing then is like what Walcard can, I said, I'll, I'll briefly mention the other two teams. I don't think it's going to be the Saints. They've been wholly inconsistent on offense and even defense that should have been a lot better. Atlanta, I really struggled to pick against Atlanta in the beginning of the year. But why it was is because the dysfunction that came along with Marcus Mariota as your quarterback, he was kind of bailing out too soon, but it, came, it became quite a running game then. You didn't know who to defend himself or Cordero Patterson. We'll call Pitts out now. I do think it changes that um, there's too much of a focus on Drake London. And obviously they've gone with Desmond Ritter, a quarterback. But I think that it's just too hazy for Atlanta. But I absolutely think that that game in Week 17, Buccaneers, Carolina, could be for the NFC State title. Going to be a great game that one in week 17. I fully agree. And the Falcons, there's too much going on there, are too many pieces. This whole quarterback situation, as well, it's just it's not the right time for this team. And I just don't see it. Let's um, let's jump on our next topic. Um, the Rams play on Monday Night Football in week 15 against the Packers. The Packers had a bye week in week 14, and the Rams it couldn't have worked out much better for them in the sense of timing. They play on Thursday night, they get a bit of a, a, a bit, a bit, a, a bit of a few extra days off than you would usually have in this whole situation when you're facing the team coming off a bye. Um, and that's going to be an interesting game. It's not, it's not the biggest story. The, the biggest story is a guy that we didn't really get time in terms of timing of last week to talk about too much. Um, Baker Mayfield. Uh, whenever I seen that the date for the Munich game leaked out on the Munich embassy, I sort of bet my chances and, and booked a flight and I came up trumps and Baker Mayfield done the exact same last week. He... Uh, was waived by the Panthers on Monday. Now I I believe that you know Baker forced that and forced his hand, uh, and I'm sure that was what happened. He booked the flight to LA that afternoon. The Rams got him up the next day, and you know the second the Rams brought him in, Mark, there was talk about well, he's got a playbook. He he's on the flight, um, and and he booked the flight early, and it came up trumps for him, um. A really, really interesting, albeit not eventful, game on the whole on that Thursday night football scene. You know, the Rams sitting 16 3 down, and Baker comes in and leads the team to two touchdown drives. The drive at the end with a 23 yarder to Van Jefferson to win it. Um, Talk about a guy that needed that. I don't think anybody needed that more than Baker Mayfield. I guess the question this week is do you believe the hype? mark around baker mayfield at the moment and i would love to sit here personally and say that i do i don't uh i I just don't i i don't think he can come in and granted if he's gonna play one team the packers at the minute who have struggled this season in certain games could be one to play with but i I just I, i think baker needs a lot of work i don't think he's ever recovered from that serious injury that he had in 2020 and I, I just don't see how long-term 
it could be an issue or it, it could be an answer for, for the Rams. But look, I am I am here to be converted. So so do you believe in the hype of Baker Mayfield this year? No. Um <laughs> No Thanks. everyone everyone made a big deal out of oh he came in on two days notice and he went out and balled give me a break like look it can work out i'm just not saying that i'm buying in after two days or whatever now we are a week after like what happened there seems to be quite simple the playbook was so dumbed down that an nfl team it was like at the same time the las vegas raiders who you're playing is a first year head coach it's not like you're going against like this super juggernaut of a defense so they did get caught on the bounds I saw Bill Barnwell put out a tweet. That final play of the game was a four verticals Madden kind of play. Like it's from, from a video. It was so simple. And just a busted coverage is what allowed it to Van Jefferson. That if this was to go over the whole course of a season, such a simple offense, it'd be found out after a couple of weeks. Now, in a couple of weeks time, they play Denver, which is a competent defense. Let's see what he can do against that. Now, when you look forward at the, the whole schedule, it's not like they, so they have the Packers, the Broncos, the Chargers, the Seahawks. I think the Chargers defense could um, pose them some problems but i think what happened last week as fun as it all as it was i think that you do have to weigh up that like there was no tape on them for the raiders to really look at they didn't know who was going to be in the game um i'm not going to say it was the a bounce that they that they got or a, a bump that they got having a quarterback in but like that's often talked about when you don't know what your desmond ritter is going to look like how do you prepare prepare for that on a short week on thursday night football it was a fun storyline him with sean mcveigh i said this two weeks ago on our review or preview i forget which podcast but when he when we first started speculating when he got released we said look if anyone is going to make a quarterback out of him let's see him with a shanahan or mcveigh with a sincere decent offense I don't think that's what we saw last week. What what we saw last week was a fun storyline. I don't think there's anything more than that. I, I fully agree with that. And like it, it was great to see for the crack element of it. And by God, that game needed that because it wasn't going to be the greatest. I think everybody picked the Raiders and, and fair play to, for, to, for Baker for doing that. Michaela, it's, it's an interesting situation because Mark's talked about the, the schedule that the Rams have going through the last few weeks of the season. And it's not as if they're playing for a draft pick. Because as as it stands, the Lions have their number four draft pick. So, it as a Broncos fan who potentially will be picking second in the draft if it wasn't for Seattle at the minute, you know, I, I feel that pain. Uh, I I know you're a big believer in Baker. Um, I think it would take it would take a lot for him like to come back to his form, surely that he had with Cleveland. I like I mean, really for me that that injury has took a lot of his movement and honestly his confidence away. But look, I, I am happy for the guy last week. Yeah, everyone knows I'm a big Baker Mayfield fan. He was one of the reasons why I started supporting Cleveland. But not that I support Cleveland now because of the Watson trade. But Baker was the reason why I did pick them. And I think people, I don't think people give Baker enough credit for what he's done in the NFL. Like he came in his rookie season to like a Browns team that like lost all their games the year before. And he broke the rookie touchdown record for a quarterback, uh, surpassing Peyton Manning and Russell Wilson. And I don't think anyone gave him enough credit for that. And when Herbert did it in his rookie season, everyone was like, oh, yeah, Herbert like is amazing. Like He's going to be up there with Mahomes and all this stuff. And then, social media quarterback, Justin so Herbert. He's not a social media quarterback. He's unbelievable. <laughs> I'm joking. But, I'm joking. I'm I know joking. you're joking. But um, 
But Herbert, like, they haven't really, the Chargers haven't done anything in, in the playoffs. And then you look at Mayfield and he brought the Cleveland Browns to their first playoff in since like 2004 and 2020 and then their first win since 1994. I, and you have to look at, like, he had some good stats that year as well. He got over 20 touchdowns. A true, maybe a little bit too many picks. But you have to remember, he got tw- over 20 touchdowns and the Browns were a run-heavy offense. They obviously have Nick Chubb, who's arguably, I think, the best in the NFL consistently as a running back. But I'm, I think, yeah, like I said, I think that people don't give him enough credit. I think you have to remember as well, he's had, what, like five head coaches in the last five years and none of them have been good. Like, I I didn't rate Matt Rule like coming into this season. So I didn't think Mayfield was going to perform spectacularly with him. And he finally gets a decent, like an offensive genius in Sean McVay. And he didn't know he didn't have an amazing stack game. He only threw one touchdown and he only got like 185 yards. But the fact that he was able to lead a really per Rams team to a win and kind of do similar, do what Tom Brady did. And he had, he was had no touchdowns and he had one minute forty five seconds left on the clock and he won the game for the Raiders. And if you see the reaction on social media, everybody loved it. All of the NFL players, you had Watt, you had Jerry Judy, and all these players congratulating him and being happy for him that I was actually surprised about because I thought nobody liked Mayfield after the Odell Beckham Jr. incident. But I I would say I'm buying into the hype a little bit. Not completely, because I know as an as an ex Browns fan that Mayfield can be really inconsistent but I don't think I think there was reasons why he was inconsistent again mainly because of the head coaches that he had to go through and also that he played through injury last year but I'm buying the hype a little bit I hopefully if he if he plays really well in the next couple of games for the Rams I think he'll hopefully have a chance at getting a starting quarterback role somewhere else because I don't think he'll stay on as a backup at the Rams because like you said Michael he did force his way out of the out of the Carolina Panthers. He was the third string quarterback, and I know Mayfield is not into that, so he forced his way out, which I don't blame him. And so I think he's playing to be a starting quarterback for the last chance next year. I agree with you, but then I realize he's in the LA market, and I think he'll be a happy man sitting on the bench in Inglewood. Um, if he does get a chance, I, I'm intrigued to see what he can do. I believe in him in the sense of I, I want him to play well, and I fully get what you're saying there as well. Mark, you something to I have to say, though, man, the head button. The head button players with high on the task That was strange. I hate it because, you know, one of the reasons that it flamed out in Cleveland in particular, and you're talking about the Odell Beckham incident, Michaela, was because chemistry seems to be a massive problem with him and other players that maybe it's that he gets found out after his first season. And, you know, if we're giving him credit, then we have to give Carson Wentz credit for what he used to do in Philadelphia. So I kind of find it hard to give him a lot of credit. But that damn head one thing, I think, first of all, it looks stupid. Second of all, it could give him a concussion the way that he's doing it. And third of all, I just don't believe it. He didn't know those guys' names and he was going off to them head one. Well, yes, let, let, let's see if he had but some Monday night and you can get a podcast around Tuesday Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon, next week after that Packers-Rams game and uh, we can discuss the hype again at that point. I can't wait to play all this back for that podcast. Um, right, let's jump on this game. This is an absolute beezer of a game. Hi. This is the pre-World Cup final extravaganza Saturday night. The Bills, who... Uh, had a great victory last week against the Jets in the sense of they won the game and the Jets are not in trouble and we'll you know we'll we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, 
Bills now shifting their focus to, frankly, a, a massive game for both teams. More so, Mark Miami going up against the, the, the so it's the Dolphins going up against the uh, Buffalo Bills this weekend. What is it? New York Bills after getting done for that last week with the, with the whole New York thing. Um, this is a massive game, but more so, Mark, a very very concerning performance for for Dolphins fans on Sunday Night Football. I believe. The Dolphins are at their highest level, probably in my fandom of the NFL with the talent that they have across the offense and the defense. And obviously when you've got two of there, there's always options, but they were concerning on Sunday night, I said at least two ago and uh, 10 for 28 for 145 yards. He, he got smacked, man. Absolutely <laughs> smacked. Um, Tyreek had that one incredible play or two incredible plays, which is good because you always need that. But Am I crazy to think that the Buffalo defense is going to destroy them on Saturday night? They're going into a cold Buffalo. At the time of recording, it's giving snow. Uh, there is a forecast of snow, I think. And people can sit here and say, well, the Bills have struggled on the run. That's fine. It's the Buffalo Bills, lads. Josh Allen. If Josh Allen needs to rush 60 yards, he will. And I, I just, I feel it that, that I feel, Mark, that the, that the Bills are going to go out this weekend. And they're going to put a statement victory down against the Dolphins. And, and we start looking at Josh Allen again in a different light uh, in regards to the MVP race, in regards to the just in regards to the playoffs. But, you know, for Mike McDaniel, this is a massive game of the weekend. Absolutely huge game on Saturday night. Yeah, it's a very difficult one because I kind of, I don't know, did I say this on one of our shows or was he just talking to you about it? It's like Josh Allen is coming out of that kind of I'm not going to say it was a horrible spell by him it absolutely wasn't but there was the few games in a row that he had multiple interceptions it seems that that's behind him and he's gone back to a level of consistency what are they four wins in a row now and it was yeah that he had three games in a row with two interceptions and they lost two of those they've gotten through that hump and they're getting better getting certainly like you're saying healthier on defense but then when you look at two like the game they had the other day absolutely stack his completion percentage was 35 percent like you never hear of that happening and a player not getting benched like i suppose if that was interest- herbert mark there would be a, a complete right storm yeah on that. and and I, i'm interested to hear michaela scott's because michaela was the only one out of us that picked the charges to win that game and you know they were decisive in doing so and i kind of said that yeah uh Tua wasn't going through a poor spell but I mean like 60% completion percentage 54% completion percentage 35% like they're just too low and it's that they had been going off for massive yards they haven't gone over 300 yards in the last four four games so what was so potent about that Jalen Hur- uh, sorry Jalen Waddle Tyreek Hill matchup at the beginning of the year isn't quite there now and maybe it is that the first-year head coach, his offense has been found out a bit. Um, I don't think that's entirely it. I do think you have to shoulder some more of the blame with Tua. Like, he had an absolute stinker over the weekend. We were able to talk about on our review the other day about how poor Dak Prescott's game was, and he can put a lot of that offensive uh, lack of production on him. And you certainly have to do that against um, Miami and the Chargers. So when you're talking about them going up at Buffalo Bills, who this is their time of year, and I know it's a bit of a cliche, but this is their time of year to start getting red hot. We expect them to get there. They are starting to turn the screw. I'd certainly prefer to be a Bills fan having weathered the storm versus Tua going into that. What's your thoughts, Mikhail? I think it's funny that 
me and Mark are having the same thoughts of the Bills having like going through a storm. They've lost three games. They've only lost three games and they've played their worst already. Like that's incredible for the Bills. Like like Josh Allen isn't even in the MVP race. Like in fairness, like he, he has thrown a couple of interceptions in the last few games. So he, he's definitely not even in the talks for MVP. But I think the I when I look at Tua, he had two important games, the last two games, the 49ers and the Chargers, and they are probably the best teams they face in a while. And not only did they lose them, he played really badly. And the reason why I picked Herbert in the Chargers game was because I think Herbert want, was going to remind I knew Herbert was going to remind everyone why everyone preferred him the last two seasons over Tua. I think it's funny now that Tua is in MVP talks and all this stuff because it was only last season and the season before when people were like, oh, Herbert should have been drafted over him. Tua's not the answer. And there were, there were even rumors that the Dolphins could could trade for Watson and stuff like that. That's why I picked the Chargers because I knew Herbert was kind of go going to prove what what everyone was saying right the last two years. But yeah, I I do think the Bills are now. I know the Dolphins bet the Bills the last time they faced each other. But again, you look at the stats. Tua didn't statistically have a great game. I think he only got 180 yards and one touchdown. Where Josh Allen had like 400 yards. I I, I don't know. I can't remember why the Bills lost that game. It was probably something to do with defense. But yeah, I think Tua, he's like what you are saying that Mike McDaniels might be getting found out a little bit now on the offense. I think the same could be said for Tua. Um, I don't think he's, I don't know if it's just he's maybe listening too much to the MVP stuff and he's getting maybe a little bit nervous. So when he comes up against the good teams and the good quarterbacks, he's not playing as well. Maybe he's panicking a little bit. Maybe he's too much in his head knowing he's coming up against these really, really good guys. But I think the Bills are going to beat the Dolphins and then the Dolphins will have another problem on their hands because they're going to fall backwards towards the Jets and the Patriots. And then I don't think anyone expects the Patriots or the Jets to finish ahead of the Dolphins in the standings, but they could. The the Dolphins, they won't win this game, I don't think, against the Bills, but they'll need to win every game after that. Yeah, it was. Uh, I actually had to think back there myself. Now it, it seems so long ago that the the game that happened in Miami, the Tua had a was it the miraculous recovery at halftime? Um, that I'm sure we won't. I'm Mark. I'm, that was that was the right game, wasn't it? Tua went down, had the, mirac- the the miraculous recovery at halftime. Yeah, came back into the game, and then uh, on the Thursday night, obviously, thank God he's okay now. But uh, yeah, they, I mean, they had loads of opportunities. Like, I mean, there there was plenty of time left in the board. Uh, I think there was, was a four point swing in it or something like that. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I think there was plenty of opportunities for the Bills to come back and get it. I think there was a safety at the end of the game that uh, kind of made the scoreboard look tighter than it was. But yeah, sorry, you are correct in what you're saying. Not to jump on like <laughs> you know previous games because I don't I don't like doing that. And one game that I don't want to talk about is that classic that we had two weeks ago that we now have to endure again on oh, on Sunday night football from Washington. We are watching the New York Giants going up against the Washington Commanders. Uh, Commanders were on a bye week last week and the Giants obviously, well, I don't want to get a thesaurus out to describe what happened to them against the Eagles. That was the bit, and I, I only realized this this morning, you know, that was probably the biggest game for the Giants in nine years, ten years, last week against the Eagles. 
and by God, Mark, they fell flat. And you know, I, I, I'm, look, I, I've been critical. I've been positive in both, in both things about the Giants. The, the 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 Washington Commanders went went into Philly and and pulled the number on Jalen Hurts a few weeks ago. I just, I think it's it's a game where you can see Daniel Jones getting the performance out of his wide receiver core, but you just feel like maybe the Giants have hit that button now and have hit that sort of end of the season for me. And um, I think the defense has been found out of it, and that's why I think they're going to like lose this game on Sunday. I just think for now, for Washington, it's time for them to try and push up and try and get into the wild card. Yeah, do you know what? I feel like because the Giants were such a massive storyline, we've had ample opportunity at this point to talk about their downfall because it has been in the last four games, three losses and one tie. Uh, I've mentioned them on my power rankings a few times. We've been reviewing, we've been previewing, and we keep on hitting on the same points that it must become frustrating if you are a Giants fan to be told so blatantly that everything that was tweeted at you at the beginning of the season that you had a retort for because you had the you were the right side of the win column it's that the bounce of the ball and i mean that's that's not a completely fair thing to say they were potent on offense but it was so blatant that it was saquon barkley that when he is injured and i know i mentioned this i don't want to completely rehash it on their review show of the week that when he only got to play 20 percent of snaps whether that's because he was benched or otherwise partly because of the injury they don't they never had a backup like coming into this season they had the most expensive wide receiver core and all even joins fans would have admitted that kenny galladay was not close to the races and they didn't really have a threat in the passing game, we saw it ourselves in London. I know we've talked about it a thousand times because we just, we all really wanted to see this play out so that Giants fans would realize what happened at the beginning of the season was a fluke. And I think that it is over for the Giants now because when you look at their final four games, it's something I did mention in my power rankings. So sorry if you were listening to them. Thank you for listening if you did. But they are underdogs in three of their final four games. So that would leave them with eight wins at the end of the season and i don't think that gets you across the line when the commanders and detroit Lions are pushing for that seven spot as well i think that they have been found out and like you said with the defense the um the players that were you know like they were more than the sum of their parts like it's just it's not working at the, uh, anymore and that was the same knock that was leveled against uh wink martindale when he was with the ravens that his defenses didn't have staying power and that it wasn't uh, going right or whatever. So I am. I was so I was sticking up for Wing Martindale for a few for a few weeks, thinking it's absolutely crazy that Baltimore let him go, and now they're laughing, thinking this is this is what we saw coming that he his his defense isn't sustainable. Yeah, he's able to coach guys up, but in the end, when it comes to the playoffs, they won't be able to last. Michaela, Mark making some very valid points there. Wink Martindale on on the other side of the ball, you've got Daniel Jones who is playing for his future in the league. You've got you've multiple papers, multiple outlets this week talking about, you know, how maybe he should be given another chance or another year. Um I personally think that's ridiculous. And um, we we can have all this talk about well he wasn't given the chance, he didn't have the head coaches and the talent around him. No. You can't just start playing all right now, like in the last year. And it's not as if he's playing to an elite level. He's playing to, frankly, a, a very efficient level and, and a level at which I didn't think he'd get to and fair play to him for doing so. But I do think it's time for the, for the Giants to move on and get somebody, whether it's a veteran or drafting someone. That, that's that's my thoughts. Um, and, sort of, and they, you know, 
And they started at Michael the minute they didn't pick up his fifth year option. Like they knew themselves, the organization but yeah. didn't put the confidence. So it's like it's okay for even the Giants fans themselves to come out and say that. Like, you know, he was never a bona fide superstar. Yeah, absolutely. And even whenever he was drafted, there was people going, hmm, that's an interesting choice. What's your thoughts on this game, Michaela? Because it's it's a real sort of marker for this NFC East because we're starting to see teams pull away now. I think the commanders would open up a two-game uh, two buffer on the Giants if they, if, they, if they did win this weekend. Yeah, the commanders have just come off their bye as well. So that might play into the game a little bit that they might be more rested up and a bit more sharper. But... The thing about Daniel Jones is, yeah, my worry would be that the Giants obviously didn't pick up his fifth-year option. He's obviously not the answer in in New York. But after the Giants' red-hot start this year and, you know, their their new head coach kind of being up, up for coach of the year talks because they started off so well, I, I'm really disappointed a little bit for the Giants fans because I think they – it, it would be fun and it would it, they do kind of deserve a little bit you know like a, a spot in the playoffs I don't think they're ever going to get to like an M- NFC championship or a Super Bowl but like they should at least be in the wild card for how they started and for the commanders who are kind of always disappointing every year to be kind of sneaking up behind them with their backup quarterback it's just so in it's just such a commander's thing it's it's a little bit infuriating um but my worry is for Giants that if they move on from Jones and they they'd have to get a really good um I w- I don't think they should go for someone in the draft I think they need to get a really good veteran maybe like someone like Jimmy G or something like that to see what they can what they can do with a good quarterback but I think the I think the Commanders are just they're they're gonna beat them this week because I think the Commanders like I said they they just snuck up a little bit and the Giants like you guys say, rely too much on Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones doesn't seem to have connection with his receivers. Kenny Galladay is $72 million and it's just not in the picture. So I think the commanders will win. And I, I think the Giants probably, like I, I think I said this before, they'll limp on into the playoffs if they get in. Absolutely. I'm I'm actually, not, I think I've been talked around here to watch that game on Sunday night. It's going to be a good game. It'll finish 7-7. Oh, jeez. 10-10. Uh, no, no, it'll be a tie. It'll be a tie. Don't worry. Yeah, it'll no, definitely I, be a tie. I, it is summed up because I, I didn't know are we talking joints or talking the whole game. <laughs> yeah, I must have got like, distracted myself. <laughs> I, I do. I put a lot of faith in um, the Washington Commanders. They The Giants got lucky um, two weeks ago as far as I was concerned. Heineke and all has been balling since uh, Carson Wentz was removed from the picture there in Washington. So, I, I, yeah, I, I think they, they win this. They're on such a hot streak. Right, penultimate two topics here. Last two topics before we jump off for the week. We're going to look very quickly at the Titans. Titans are 7-6 and six on the season. And it's really interesting, Mark, in terms of where they were from this, you know, from, from last year to this year and how Ryan Tannehill has developed or went down a bit, you know, it, it could be an arguable thing either way. Um, is it time for the team to maybe stop relying so much on Derrick Henry? Like he has been phenomenal. He's got like what one one thousand two hundred rushing yards set lead, or he's second in the league in terms of rushing. But is it time for the Titans? And this is something you could ask every year because this has happened a lot. Is it time for them to steer away from, I guess, like an over reliance on a, on a running back like Derrick Henry? Um, you know, it's really not helping them in terms of the passing game and you know at the end of the day they need to have both working well to do well down the stretch in January 
you know, you, you summed it up there. You can ask that every year. And when the playoffs obviously happened last year and Ryan Tannehill was non-existent, a lot of the fans put it on his shoulders and they said, we have to go and draft a quarterback. Look, we know what happened with Malik Willis. He's on the team. He hasn't been the starter. They've stuck with Ryan Tannehill because he is a very... Uh, you know, perfect, I suppose, quarterback, whatever. Um, he's just a system guy that has worked for them. But at the end of the day, it's not working anymore. And why you could say that it's not working is because AJ Brown was gotten rid of. And I suppose we wanted to talk Titans because they will be going to the playoffs. They have a three-game lead in that division, but they're also on a three-game losing streak as we're heading down the stretch here. So when they got rid of AJ Brown, they did get Traylon Burks, who has looked fantastic when he's been in the game. But, you know, over the weekend, he was out. And then they only have Derrick Henry to go with. So it is a problem that they don't have more weapons, but it was a, a problem that we've said has existed for the last number of years. We can see how hot AJ Brown is in Philadelphia. Michaela will talk all day about how good he is. So I think for me, it's quite a toxic fan base when you look on Twitter. I don't know any bad um, Irish Titans fans, so there's no shot being taken then. But they they can be toxic within themselves, whether it's AJ Brown getting or being gotten rid of, or whether it's talking about Ryan Tannehill. But all of the problems that we admitted and they admitted last offseason is coming back to bite them now. They were able to gloss over them in the last number of years, partly because uh, Vrabel was able to coach up a good defense. But you see the other day, they have three defensive starters missing and like balls, interceptions are falling through their hands. So I suppose, you know, when things seem to be barely going in your favor for an awful lot of the time i think it's just like it's caught up with them it's those little things that were going in their favor have stopped and it makes them look like the normal kind of team or you know a very standard team across the board now at this point apart from derrick henry and i have a stat for you the other day they're looking fine in the first half 98 yards Derrick Henry had in the second half two yards that's all he had and the Jags go and win that game you know a division rival it's like it sums it up perfectly he was he was absolutely born he has his touchdown looks like he's just going to run and it's like that was always the problem as well that they're so reliant that they just think he's going to go off for 200 yards every single game it's not and the Jags did a great job obviously containing him in the second half and going out and winning that game Uh, like I said three straight losses for the Titans, I don't know when they're, I, 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 I like they will, will get another win or whatever, but just they're going to limp into these playoffs and uh, get dumped out, I suppose. That's the AFC safety, though, right? It's like at least they're the team going in. Yeah, it's funny. We talked about the NFC start, 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 start the show, and now we're talking about talking about the Titans in a similar situation, Michaela. Um, too much reliance on Henry, and it's like if you're relying on one guy and then you've also got Trellon Burks injured, they're not in a good situation going into the postseason at the minute. Yeah, I'll just say that the Titans loss is the Eagles gain with AJ Brown. At least when they they had AJ Brown, they had a, a star at wide receiver and they had a star at running back. They could switch it up, but now they just they just rely on on Henry. And if you look at stats with Henry in in big games against the really really good teams that are going to go into the playoffs. He only had 30ish yards against the Eagles. He only had 30ish yards against the Bills and he only had 38 yards against the Bengals. Now he did have a really really good game against the Chiefs, but he it looks like the good teams know how to handle him. And I I didn't even know that stat that he only had 2 yards against the Jags. Even the Jags had, had figured him out in the second half, but they they definitely relied too much on him. They need to start mixing it up a bit and kind of throwing curveballs to the offense because 
it, they're, if they get into the play, they're, they're going to make the playoffs. But when they get in there, they're going to be playing really good teams. And, and like I just said, the really good teams seem to know how, how to stop the run. But they... They need. I think they should rely on Tannehill a little bit more. Like they, they want to see if this guy is gonna be their franchise quarterback for the next few years. They, they, they need to see if he can, if he can step up and throw the ball to his receivers and stuff like that. When, when you know the run game isn't working, so they're definitely relying too much on on uh, Henry. And you know, I think now is the time to to kind of get some throws in there and. And well, that's going to be hard with their their wide receiver injured now. They only really have Robert Woods, but definitely relying too much on Henry. And what happens if he goes out injured? Then they're they're completely snookered. The writing was on the wall for that team with the tight ends, John Smith, and that went a couple of years ago. Yeah. But uh, I'll, to finish up this whole segment, Michael, I will tell you that they're seven and six at the moment. They have the Chargers and Cowboys coming down that you'd figure they lose to. So they have to beat both the Texans and Jags. Jags obviously just beat them on the weekend to go into the playoffs with a winning record. Interesting, interesting. I'm sure it'll not be the last time we talk about the Titans down the stretch here. Uh, right, last topic. Uh, we'll, we'll make it a quick one this week. Um, I'm going to make it very clear here now. NFC West battle Thursday night football. So again, if you're listening to this on the Friday, apologies, but it is pre-recorded. Seahawks 7 and 6. Niners are 9 and 4. Brock Purdy, Purdy Mania in San Francisco. The big question here is, can Brock Purdy play on the road? The guy played for Iowa in college. He clearly can. But it's a fair point to make. Can they, Mark, sustain their performance on the road? That's the question. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens for me I have the Niners winning on Thursday night and I've got the Niners winning the NFC West and frankly they should well they're probably going to try and get as many wins as they can of course but they should genuinely look at week 17 and week 18 and, and resting Christian McCaffrey and resting as many players as they can and be smart about it because they're going to need those guys down the stretch uh, and it looks as if Debo could be back for the playoffs but for the Niners who lost Trey Lance have lost Jimmy Grappolo and now have Purdy Mania and Brock Purdy they're not in the bad spot, are they? No, I feel like this is a, a bonus. This is what you get for listening on the Thursday. You get this and it's still exciting to listen to. No, um, when it comes to the 49ers, I absolutely love the 49ers. I think they will give the Eagles an absolute run for their money when it comes to the playoffs. I hope we get that matchup in the NFC Championship game. I think that would be an absolute belter. That's there with Bills, Chiefs or uh, Chiefs, Bengals, whatever combination you want. But when it comes to Brock Purdy, Look, the other day was fantastic. I just said that what Baker Mayfield did was fantastic and fun, but we need to see it again. I think we will see it again with Brock Pur- Purdy. But when you talk about the storyline of, oh, yeah, is he a franchise guy after one? What happened with David Blau with the Detroit Lions there a number of years ago, what, three years ago on Thanksgiving, that David Blau came out and made himself a legend for a night? We have to see more. Um, if you're talking about the future, there's no point after one game, after 60 minutes of football against the Tampa Bay team in week 15 yeah let's see it as they go down the stretch i do think they, they win the division obviously this is an important game against the seattle seahawks they the seahawks can still win the division i don't think that they're firing at all similars anymore but i did mention uh last week about a graphic that i was going to put out i went and looked into it i did see that Kyle shannon has had 19 quarterback changes at different times over the last uh six seasons in charge and it does go to show that Kyle shannon's system is built for brock purdy so i think that he will continue to look good but i think it also a lot of the credit has to be going to Kyle shannon and that offense playing lights out at the moment and the defense give me a break <laughs> 
Michaela, as a Broncos fan, I watched the Super Bowl in week one this season whenever the Seahawks. Um, I, I'm not, and I, I actually told the head of market in Munich about this. I was raging at the way that they prepared for that game and the fans. I think it needs to be that similar sort of atmosphere uh, on Thursday night. And I guess if I put the Seahawks in your head here, because we haven't mentioned them and it wouldn't be right not to, um, doubt Geno Smith at your peril. This is a huge game for them. If they can beat the Niners on Thursday night, then they were what, within one game. It sets up a huge last three weeks. And frankly, it would make the division more exciting, to be fair. Um, so it's going to be a good game on Thursday night. Yeah, it is going to be a good game on Thursday night. I think the 49ers are going to run away with the NFC West at this point, even with Brock Purdy in at quarterback. I just think their their defense is too good and all the other guys are just stepping up at the right time. McCaffrey, thank God, isn't getting injured like he was in the last few years at the Panthers. And they're, they are relying on him. You saw his performance in the last game against the Dolphins. Uh, not the Dolphins, the Buccaneers. Uh, they heavily relied on McCaffrey. And Brock Purdy played really well. He got two touchdowns, no interceptions, one rushing touchdown against... Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, even though they're not playing well, it's still Tom Brady for him. I think he's the first starting quarterback to be Tom Brady in his first career start or something like that. So I I do agree with Mark that we have to relax a little bit on the Brock Purdy train and the hype because I didn't realize this. He had already played this season against the Chiefs and he threw, it, he threw an interception. He didn't play that well. I don't know how long he played for, but he still played and he still threw an interception. But we'll, it's the Chiefs, you know, we'll, we'll, let him, we'll let him away with it because he's played so well the last two games. Um, I'm more interested in the the quarterback carousel that's going to be going on in San Francisco in the offseason because Jimmy G's going to be coming back, the Trey Lance is going to be coming back and Brock Purdy. And if Brock Purdy balls out and he's, amazing in the last few run of games and say they get to the M- NFC Championship and they get dumped out by the Eagles which is probably if he wins gonna... the Super Bowl <laughs> if he wins the Super Bowl he has to be their starting quarterback and then that's just a, a, a bit of a headache because the 49ers wasted a third round pick on uh, a third round a, a third pick in the first round on Trey Lance but um, I'm more excited to see what's going to go on there because because if Purdy plays well then it's, it is a nightmare for San Francisco uh, to see who they're going to go with Let's re-check this one. I think Trey Lance is done in San Francisco. Yeah, well, I'll bring back because uh, there was a bit of Brock Purdy slander, and you know we were enjoying him. Uh, the starters were benched in week uh, beginning to start of the season, whatever it was. Brock Purdy slander. They were, uh, yeah, they were, he the starters were benched, and he got nine snaps. Four of them were completed. So to speak to what Michaela was saying, yeah, he had a stinker back then. So to confirm the slander, I guess, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Mark, in terms of confirming slander, can you confirm some of our some of our picks for week fifteen? Um, I'm taking my Broncos to beat your Cardinals, which is always a good pick. Um, yeah, when you look through the schedule, we have a good few um, a good few games that we all agree on. The likes of San Fran beating Seattle, I guess, if we are right or wrong, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, but when you talk about some games that we're different on. Um, I have New Orleans beating Atlanta, which uh, might be interesting considering what you were talking about, the AFC or the NFC South. I have Carolina beating Pittsburgh because I believe in what I'm saying. You two have both said Pittsburgh there, so you didn't. Now, these picks were made before you listened to me speak, so maybe uh, maybe I've converted you. And then I think one of the other games is the Jets in Detroit is a massive game because the way the Detroit offense is playing, 
how can they go up against a decent, <laughs> decent enough Jets uh, defense? And the Jets, both teams need that because they're both in the playoff hunt. They're both sitting outside the number seven, but they're both definitely in contention for that. The Jets can feel hard done by that they're out, you'd imagine, of the playoff spots at the moment. But that um, that Detroit Jets game is absolutely massive. And then, yeah, to rub salt in the wounds, I'm the only one that's agreeing with my Cardinals against Denver. Who knows if that's the, that pick actually stays. We'll put up an updated graphic or a confirmation graphic on Sunday. But, um, yeah, I just think that both teams absolutely stink. So uh, who knows if we'll even watch that one. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Getting closer to Christmas uh, and we'll be back. Obviously, if you're watching the games this weekend after the World Cup, enjoy week 15 of the season. We're back on Monday morning with a recap of week 15. Do interact with us at NFL Ireland. Our socials are in the bio as well. We're at NFL Ireland everywhere. Just search Pro Football Ireland or NFL Ireland, the username, and you'll find us uh, from Michael, from Mark, from Michaela. Chat to you soon. Enjoy week 15, folks. We're getting there.